beautiful friendship. Rose? Where we're going, we don't need Rose. I am your father. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. You're listening to After the Ending, the only film podcast where we tell you what happens after the ending of your favorite films. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Spring and Phil Edwards. Hello and welcome to After the Ending. I'm Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And Phil, before we go much further, I feel like I should uh, give a quick disclaimer to anybody watching or especially listening on the podcast afterwards. I am trying a all-new audio microphone setup tonight, new speaker, new microphone. Everything is brand new. So hopefully people watching live can hear me. I know Phil can hear me, so I figured that's a good first step. But yeah. if you're listening... <laughs> Thanks, Phil. If you're listening on the podcast and I, feel I sound a little far away or a little different than normal, it's a temporary glitch. I won't know how it sounds until after we're done. So it'll just be for this episode, the next episode, and then I'll be back to normal. So bear with us if I'm, uh, I sound like I'm underwater or anything weird like that. Okay, disclaimer over. Well, it, it does sound like you're far away, Mike. It sounds like you're all the way in the U.S. of A. <laughs> Thanks, but Phil. Any new listeners, new watchers, viewers, whatever you want to call yourself, uh, if you don't know, Mike is over in uh, upstate New York, whereas I am in uh, England, Blighty, just over the water from Liverpool, the other side of the Mersey, where a little band called the Beatles came from. Funny, one of my Beatles Facebook groups is having a conversation about what it's like for people who live in Liverpool. And of course, I thought of you, um, but that's a whole other discussion for another time. So what yeah. is your T-shirt tonight, Phil? I can't quite make it out. Show me what we got. Here's a Joker or something. No, it's Loki. Loki and the Joker. Oh, Loki and the Joker. Oh, it's Jokey. I get it. It's a, it's a mashup. That's why I was having a hard time deciphering. Yes. I like it. Very cool. And what's on your T-shirt? Oh, this is uh, just uh, Sun Studios. It's uh, where uh, from t in uh, Memphis, where like Elvis and Carl Perkins and like all the great rock and roll pioneers in the '50s recorded their albums. Um, I have not been there, unfortunately, but I have family that lives in Tennessee, so I asked them for a, a Sun Studios shirt because it's like you know, it's a rock and roll, uh, you know, legendary place. So someday I'll go visit it. Classic, classic. Yeah, I'd like to go there myself. Sounds like yeah. a, we got a new segment. What's what are Phil and Mike wearing today? Yeah, look at the Oscars and stuff. What are you wearing today? Well, today I'm wearing <laughs> Joe by Graphic Tees or whoever. <laughs> uh, for um, anybody who's watching us live on Facebook as well, you can leave a comment on the uh, the post where this video is playing, and we'll be able to see it, and we can pop it up on the screen as well if it's relevant to the conversation, or we just like the cut of your jib. So yeah, that's uh, as and when we are talking about things. Yeah, please, please leave comments. We like the comments; they're fun. All right, so Phil, why don't you tell people what we are talking about in tonight's episode? Yes, in the uh, the main feature, we're going to be going after the ending of the Lost Boys, because there's no sequels to that whatsoever. <laughs> uh, and then we'll be also talking about uh, remakes, discussing them because there is there has been mentioned in the news this past week that there will be a remake of the Lost Boys because Hollywood. And then in our post-credit uh, episode, we're going to be doing our top five horror comedies and giving our after-the-ending recommendations. There you go. You know, I, I think we firmly established for, throughout the history of the show, which, let's be honest, has been going on for like four years now, mm -hmm. um, that we kind of discount the straight-to-video sequels that come out. You know, a lot of times they do these movies, um, you know, they'll take a, a, a franchise name, they'll call it a sequel, it'll be like, you know... 
um, out of Africa too, you know, but it, it was made 30 years later and has nothing to do with the original at all. And we generally just discount those. Now I will say, cause I, I reviewed both of the lost boys sequels. Um, and actually that's where I first met Corey Feldman at New York comic Con was when he was promoting the first one of those. Um, so if I can remember, I'll share the picture from that on social, but, um, the, they're not great. But actually, there's two of them. The first one is eh, okay. The second one's actually pretty good. Um, where they got Corey Haim back with Corey Feldman and Jameson Newlander, um, it's 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 pretty solid. It's not great, but it's good. But both of them are kind of like long after the fact, you know, quote sequels. We're discounting them. So if there are any diehard Lost Boys fans out there who are like, we've seen Lost Boys, you know, the Hunt or whatever they're called, the the sequels, we're we're just skipping over those. Yeah, and also it's it's our show, and we can do what we want. That's right, that's right. I mean, heck, we skipped over several Aliens and Predator sequels just so we could do our after the endings for the best films in those franchises. So why not? Yeah, yeah, and you can go back and listen to them. Just go through the vast back catalogue we have, and you'll find lots of films that you like. Some you might not like, but uh, you might like what we do with the endings. But yeah, yeah. So um, let's talk Lost Boys a little bit, shall we? Um, I'll give my recap, and then we can share what we think about it before we get into our endings. Is that how we yeah, usually do it? I don't know. Me. I'm winging it tonight. All right, so The Lost Boys from 1987, directed by Joel Schumacher, one of the great hit-or-miss directors of all time. <laughs> made some brilliant yeah, films, made some truly awful films. Uh, stars Kiefer Sutherland, Jason Patrick, Jamie Gertz, Corey Feldman, and Corey Haim. Uh, and in The Lost Boys, in case you've forgotten, I think it's pretty much a classic, so most people are familiar with it, but teens Michael and Sam Emerson moved to Santa Clara. <laughs> Very nicely done, Phil. Uh, teens Michael and Sam Emerson moved to Santa Clara, California with their divorced mom to live with her weird grandfather. Uh, Michael, the older brother, becomes fascinated by Star, a young woman who hangs out with a bad crowd, as in vampires, bad crowd. They are led by David, played by Kiefer Sutherland. Uh, the vampires try and lure Michael into their circle. Sam becomes friends with Edgar and Alan Frog, two weirdo vampire hunting brothers. Uh, Michael starts turning into a vampire, but since he hasn't killed anyone, he's still able to be saved. So eventually Michael, Sam, and the Frog brothers kill all the vamps in a showdown at their house, except for Star. Oh yeah, and Laddie, who's like a young boy vampire who I haven't mentioned because he's kind of a weird throw in there. Um, and it's revealed at that time that their mom's boyfriend, Max, is the real head vampire. Which is why Michael didn't turn back into a human. But then Grandpa crashes through the house and impales Max on, with a big post on his truck, and he saves the day. And that's the Lost Boys. Well, so that's uh, that's a real good. You summed it all up very nicely. Thanks. I try and keep them brief. There's a lot going on in some of these movies, even a simple one. Uh, let's talk about Lost Boys for a second before we do our ending. Phil, Phil, uh, it is definitely considered a classic. I think a lot of people, are at least at the very least, it's I don't know. It's beyond a cult classic. I think. Um, it was a hit. There's plenty. You can buy posters and T-shirts and stuff still. I mean, it wasn't one of the big, big, big hits of the 80s, but it was definitely a hit of the 80s. How do you feel about The Lost Boys? Hey, well, I really like it. I've always enjoyed it. I've not seen it in a, a long time, but funnily enough, this Thursday, I'm going to see it on the big screen because it's playing really? Plaza Cinema over the water, Crosby, which is a part on the coast in Liverpool. But nice. I'm going to see that with my friend Paul. Uh, we're going to. I'm look, really looking forward to seeing it because it's uh, it's a cool Art Deco old style cinema as well. So it's going to be nice going to that cinema because I've never been, but also to see the Lost Boys on the big screen because I never did see it on the cinema. When it I don't out. think I did either. I think I was a video kid with that one because mm -hmm. I was pretty young when it came out. Uh, I think I saw. It, I mean, I was like 12 when it came out, so I saw it like right away on video. I just didn't go to my parents. I don't think took me to the theaters to see a vampire film. You know, yeah, um, at 12 years old. Um, it's that's interesting. I'm, I'm first of all, I'm super jealous because that sounds awesome. So congrats! I hope you have a great time, and I bet yeah. you'll really enjoy the film 
uh, because I think the theatrical experience can add so much to it. Um, I really like Lost Boys. I have a weird experience with it. It's one of those movies... And I want to preface this by saying I really, really, really do like The Lost Boys a lot. It's a really fun <laughs> film, and I, I enjoy it. I love the cast. I like the music. I like the look of it. I, I just It's a fun, enjoyable film. But every time I watch it, I get really excited because I'm like, yes, Lost Boys. And it always comes in at like 90% of my expectations. Do you know what I mean? Like It's, yeah. it's like I always think oh, I'm going to watch this, and I'm going to be the best movie ever. And then I watch it. I'm like, that was pretty darn good. You know what I mean? Like, I enjoyed it. Do I, do I, is it like one of my absolute, absolute favorites? No, it's not. But it's certainly a movie I revisit every couple of years because I have a real soft spot in my heart for it. I was obsessed with it when I was a teenager. Um, and I, I, I love the idea of it. And like I said, I really, really like it. But whenever I rewatch it, I'm always kind of like, eh, there's just a little something missing that keeps it from being like perfect. I know what you, I know what you mean. It's, oh. it's, uh, it is one of them. It's got a good cast. Lots of yeah. people starting out in their profession as well. Yeah. Uh, it's it, like you said. It was one of those ones watching it when you're a teen, uh, and in the early twenties. But I remember going on uh, some holidays or being out with some friends, and it was a misty night. So, you know, running through the mist and stuff like that, and calling out my call and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. You know, eating eating rice and things. There's all. Yeah. all I think it's it entered the uh, the cultural lexicon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, you know, we often it often gets referred, it's referenced in things, uh, TV shows, day to day life. It's one of those films which is just, it's just lived beyond what you'd expect. Yeah, um, I always liked as well. It, you did feel like the whole is it Santa Clara? Is that the name of the town? Yeah, Santa Clara. Yeah, it always has that. Uh, it did feel like it was like a living, breathing town as well. You seem to be. I, I've noticed more with films as as you know recent films. And often it doesn't feel like it's a proper town, but whereas films from the 80s and early 90s, it does feel like it's, you know, slice of life kind of yeah. people living there. I'm not quite right. sure what's changed. Maybe things have just become too slick and too clean the way they make films. I, I, interesting. You know, I feel like, I feel like it, 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 I do feel that you still get that sometimes, but I think it has to be a conscious decision on the part of the filmmakers. That's, yeah, that's yeah, my that's interpretation of that. I, I think you can make a city or a location a part of the film, a character in the film, but if you, if you don't, work at it, it it tends to fall by the wayside and i feel like they, they spent more time on that back in the back in the 80s and 90s but i think you can still see some good examples of it nowadays you know yeah, um but no I, I agree i think it's a perfect film for a teenager there's so much to love about it as a teenager there's lines you can quote and it's got the great soundtrack and it's got a, a really kind of slightly rebellious feel to it like you feel like you're dangerous when you're watching lost boys as a teenager and i think part of it maybe is just as i grew out of being a teenager you know i watch it and i still i still really like it i don't want anyone to think i don't it's just not the same experience. Maybe that's part of what I'm feeling. Maybe it's not disappointment in the film as much as it is my reaction to it as yeah. an adult, you know? Yeah, you know, an adult and a parent as well. So, you know, kids shouldn't be playing out in the dark with these. <laughs> right. Now I'm a dad boys. and I'm like, don't go hang out with vampires. What's wrong with you? Are you kidding me? That is very unsafe. Very unsafe. You know, <laughs> you know so. guys in the comic shop, they're a bit weird. Right, right. Exactly. Like, don't those two kids that have the comic book shop, like, I don't want you hanging out with them. They're weird. Like that's that's you know, but as a teenager, you're like, yeah, I want to be best friends with those guys, <laughs> you know. And now you're like, don't hang out with the strange kids, you know. So I think that might be part of it, but I do still really enjoy it. Um, all right, well, let's get into our endings then, Phil. Do you want to go first? Or want me to go first. Your pick. Uh, I go first. All right, all right. We're gonna try something new on our video here. While Phil, so Phil, go ahead and give us your ending. Okay. As Grandpa finishes the beer, he looks confused for a moment, but then smiles. I remember now, he chuckles. That was a good spell. He then sits everyone down and tells them a tale. 
Max had, with the help of his mistress, he cast a spell on Grandpa to forget who he really was. Turns out he was the Wizard of Legend, or Merlin, or Mr. Merlin, if you will. He'd been fighting through the ages, though he'd, Merlin had been fighting through the ages against Morgana Le Fay, but she had made a pact with dark forces and become the first vampire. She had then caught and turned the Knights of the Round Table, who had become vampire lords, working from the shadows to gain power and followers. But of Arthur, there was no sign. Unable to kill Mer Merlin, they had hidden his memories away, and every few decades, mind wiped him again and moved him somewhere new because he didn't really age. He just liked drinking beer and going for drives in his truck. But now the spell was broken and Merlin was angry. Sam, Michael, Star, Lucy and the Frog Brothers were stunned but eager to help. We need to find Arthur, said Grandpa, after finishing the scrying spell. It appears fate is smiling on us, though, as Arthur's been reincarnated as a man called Eric Brooks. But what's that got to do with fate, asked Michael. Well, he's already hunting vampires, said Merlin, but they call him a different name. We need to find the Daywalker. We need to find Blade. <laughs> yeah, all right. Full round of applause for that. I like your I like your blending of very of all the different legends and characters there. We got Merlin, we got the Knights of the Round Table, we got Blade in the end. And when you said Eric Brooks, I was thinking about it and I was like, <laughs> that name sounds familiar, but I'm not placing it. And then when you said the Daywalker, I was like, Well, of course I should have gotten that. So very nicely done. I like Thank it. Thank you. I like it. All right. Well. Let me uh, let me do mine. I went in a slightly different direction, um, which okay. is always good, I think. So, all right, now this is going to be tricky. I got to try and do the little camera switch and get my notes ready. So bear with me for one second while I do this. Here, it's we, time. here we go. All right. I can see you. All right, here we go. So Michael, Star, and Laddie are instantly transformed back into regular humans with the death of Max. When things settle down, Grandpa reveals that vampires have lived in California as far back as the 1800s. Wyatt Earp was the first vampire hunter in California, and then he was succeeded by a number of high-profile vampire hunters who used their riches and fame to secretly fund continuing the mission. That included Shirley Temple, Robert Frost, Jack London, General George S. Patton, Julia Child, surprisingly, and <laughs> more obviously, Clint Eastwood. All famous Californians who hunted vampires. Nice. As the vampire population dwindled, it fell to regular people like the Emersons to watch over the small town, the small towns, and keep them safe from vampires. Now, Grandpa tells them it's time to turn the legacy over to their generation. So, Michael, Sam, Star, and Alex and uh, Alan and Edgar are charged with keeping the town safe from vampires from now on. Now, of course, they're confused because they think they just got rid of all the vampires. But Grandpa says, "Eh, they always come back eventually." And he's right. Fourteen years later, Star and Michael, now married, have just sent Laddie, who now goes by Liam, which is a much better name. Uh, they send him off to college when Sam calls and tells them of a series of mutilated bodies that have been found down by the boardwalk. Michael tells Sam to get the Frog Brothers and meet them there that night. Now, wait, I have a little, uh, I didn't have it queued up properly, but I have a little cue here. Let's see if I can make this work. Okay. So they're going to meet at the boardwalk. Cue the loud rock music. And montage <laughs> of everyone getting loaded up with holy water, garlic, steaks, water guns, headbands, camouflage jackets, fingerless gloves, high top sneakers, everything. Awesome. Finally, the next generation of vampire slayers is on the hunt. When they get to the boardwalk, they arrive just in time to witness the aftermath of a vampire battle. As the smoke and the vampire dust clears, a blonde teenage girl emerges from the chaos, sees the group in all their glory, and says, Oh, hi, I'm Buffy. Cool outfits. <laughs> and that's Excellent. the end. 
<laughs> Thanks. So we both brought some other pop culture, uh, pop yeah, culture, vampire hunters, uh, and yeah, you know, people. Let me let me get the view back to to including you. There we go. Uh, we got we both got some pop culture figures in there. It's kind of fun, but we went in yeah, different directions. Good. I like it. Yeah, All right, like cool. I like the, uh, the the fashion. Yeah, I wanted to kind of like you need the headbands and leg warmers and things. I think to be proper vampire hunter. Yeah, I think so. I think that the the Lost Boys is is both timeless and very much of its time. And so I just like the idea of them all in like twenty, you know, two thousand and one era, like getting just jacked up in like their Rambo looking clothes and everything, and you know, all the the, the fingerless gloves and all that stuff. I think that I think that would be really fun. So you know, a little eighties throwback. So kind of gotta gotta pay tribute to the era from which the film came. I think. Excellent. No, I like that. Excellent, thank you. Appreciate that. So, all right, we got some. Uh, we got a bunch of viewers coming in. If anybody's watching live, please feel free to leave some comments. We just wrapped up our after the endings for uh, the Lost Boys. Um, so, if you have thoughts on the Lost Boys, feel free to throw them in the comments. But meanwhile, we're going to switch topics, and this is even more wide open for comments. So, please feel free to comment. We're going to talk about uh, remakes. But wait, let me, Phil. Let me show you. Hang on a second. I have to. Uh, I got to do. You know, it's not easy doing all this stuff on the fly. Um, I created a, a special title for this one that I'm going to put, I'm going to display right now. So hang on a second. Here we go. <laughs> What's the deal with all these remakes? That's in, in best Jerry Seinfeld voice. For those of you who are listening to the podcast and can't see the video, it says in best Jerry Seinfeld voice. What's the deal with all these remakes? So that was a terrible Jerry Seinfeld voice, but better than I could do. <laughs> probably true. Um, but we thought since uh, Lost Boys is going to be remade, let's talk about remakes and what we think of them and the whys and the wherefores and all that stuff. So, Phil, kick us off. You, this is yeah, your topic, so what do you think? As you mentioned, the reason we did the Lost Boys is because last week there was the mention they're going to do a, a remake starring Noah Dupe and Jaden Martell, who's uh, Dupe was the guy, the kid from The Quiet Place, and Honey Boy, and Martell, he was in uh, Knives Out. He's also been in the live-action Morty and the Rick and Morty things with Christopher Lloyd. But yeah, and it's when I posted the news on the Liverpool film site, people, there was much wailing and gnashing of teeth and the usual, no, why why do a remake? Why, why, why? And it's, this is why I always go, well, remakes often, they'll bring uh, people into the film, that the original film, so, you know, people might not have been aware of it, but it could bring a new generation to it. And also the remake might be good. More often than not, it's, it's lousy, but every now and again you get a decent remake. But this one with the Lost Boys really did seem to grab a lot of people and they weren't happy about it. Nobody seems to want it. I'm I'm kind of thinking, well, if they change it, you know, if they go a, a kind of a different way, it could it could still work. Maybe it could be set in there because as you say, vampires always come back to California. Right. <laughs> um so speaking of which though, we, we do have a comment uh from James P uh, on Facebook saying Lost Boys remake, no. Just no. Uh, so that kind of personifies everything you were just saying, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. I, I think, you know, I think people really do love this film a lot. So the idea of when, you know, remake, when you remake something that's kind of like, well, yeah, whatever, um, you know, it's kind of like uh, people are like, hey, but when you remake a really beloved film, I think people tend to get a little more incensed about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, let's, so we talked about why. Uh, James also has a comment on that. I might as well unthrow that one up. He says, the deal is Hollywood ran out of ideas. Laziness and profit is the agenda. That is sometimes hard to argue with. <laughs> yeah, I can always, but profit's always the agenda when it comes to Hollywood because yes. at the end of the day, it's the movie business. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna argue with one point that James made though, and I'm gonna argue it, but not that strenuously because it's it's a it's a half argument. Here's what here's the thing: I don't think that Hollywood ran out of ideas per se. I think what happened though was Hollywood got um, got lazy, yes, and yeah. said, "Why bother taking a chance and dropping all this money to develop a new IP, a new intellectual property, try and create a new franchise like Top Gun or whatever it might be, when we can just." take an existing franchise and skip the middleman. We don't have to build it up. We don't have to do all the groundwork and lay down all the characters and all that. We can just take this thing that people already like and, and make it. I think there are probably a ton of screenwriters and movie development houses out there that want to do original ideas, but the studios are much less willing to spend the money on them now. And so that is why we're getting so many remakes. That's my opinion, personally. No, I, I think you're right. It's uh, it's because it's, it's hard coming up with an original idea that's good. That works well, uh, and the laziness kicks in. Then it's it's they're going well. Oh, I don't want to spend time trying to come up with something where this is already there. You know, I think that's lots of the reason with we're seeing. I mean, it's the same in TV as well with uh, Star Trek. It's just it's something which people know and love, and like you say, it's just it's easy to do it. But uh, it's just I don't know. It, as, as I said, you do get the occasional good one remake because Scarface I mean we've got John Combs as the thing so there's quite a few actually when you get going I think in those cases though so you got yeah I mean there's two well one and a half good examples I'm not a big fan of Scarface and actually the original 1931 or 32 Scarface I think is an underrated masterpiece but <laughs> I think that's like the thing type of remake it's a you've got the distance of time because it was like 30 years in between well I guess that's yeah. that's not that's really the same as Lost Boys now but there is also like there's a whole revolution in filmmaking between the 1950s, the thing, and the 1980s, the thing. You know what I mean? It's like two different eras of Hollywood, really. It's like black and white, PG, chased kind of movie making, and then like John Carpenter, gory, you know, blood flying everywhere type of stuff. That's very, very different. Um, so I think that's, that's a part of it. But even if we go with those two, that's what? It's still both in the 80s. Like, it's still been a long time since we've had a, a really great... You know, a great remake. I suppose you could, do, if you did the last, because you could do a remake of the Lost Boys, and it could be. It all depends what they do with it, and it's still very early days. Because I mean, yeah. for me, when you mentioned the uh, Jupe Martel, I immediately saw them as more like the Frog Brothers, mm -hmm. as opposed to uh, the, you know, two brothers, uh, Michael, and uh, his younger brother. But it's just it depends what they do, because they could go full out all gore, make it you know, be great if they made it a proper eighteen or hard R, whatever it is, and. In the US, but uh, you know, and just see, go all out horror because you got the because it's vampires, but yeah. It, but I feel like I feel like that kind of goes against the the vibe of the original film, right? Like, like I was saying, like, I yeah. think I think the original Lost Boys is a great teenage movie. Like, if you're 14 or 15, I think Lost Boys is like the greatest movie in the world. I think making it a hard R is gonna is gonna completely erase that vibe. Like, I if they're gonna do a van, uh, uh, if they're gonna do a Lost Boys remake. I'd like to see them take on the tone of something like Love and Monsters, which I know a lot of a lot of people have seen, but it's a recent film that yeah. really taps into that. Like, like my fourteen-year-old daughter loved that movie, you know, because it's like fun and goofy, but scary and and you know, great special effects. Like, I kind of want to see them something like that, where like a teen audience can, like, if you're going to make this vampire movie, why not make it like the original was, where all the teenagers can embrace it, rather than just another R-rated vampire movie. Yeah, that's true. That's my I take. Love and Monsters is a good one. If they could get that, if they could get that term, that could be interesting. Yeah. But I'd like to know before I make a final verdict on whether I want to see it or not. Well, obviously, I'd like to see a trailer, things like that. But I'd like to know more about the story, the vibe, which 
what they're going to do with it because they could do like they do with lots of films now, like with the Halloween films and some of the others. It could be a, it could be a, a sequel. Right, right, yeah. It, it it could very much be in that, um, or even like like the Candyman they did that, where Candyman is basically like a remake, but it's also a sequel because it does refer to the original film, <laughs> but it takes place thirty years later and it's basically a brand new story. It just has references to the original, so it's kind of like a, a continuation rather than a sequel. That I think would be the a better way to go for Lost Boys than just a full on remake. Maybe I don't know because then you could have a couple of the original characters show up you know and that would be as as you know maybe in smaller roles and that would be kind of cool to see yeah you know? true. But i mean one of the other ones there was the uh fright night remake that's probably the closest to uh we've got with the lost boys in this remake because fright night was another one of the those uh from the same time involving vampires it was uh you know kind of funny kind of gory kind, kind of spooky but it's and then the remake came out with colin farrell and uh david tennant mm -hmm. I, I didn't mind it too much because uh Fright Night was one I saw a long time after the fact when it originally came out. It wasn't, I still think the original is, is a more enjoyable film. It's got its own charm, whereas the the, the, the Colin Farrell one, I can't remember what year it came out. Uh, but it's, I've, I, I think that could be, uh, it was a semi decent remake, but it was, it didn't really, I don't know. Well, James <laughs> agrees with you. I don't, well, James disagrees with you, I guess. He said Fright Night was a lot of fun. No, it's still, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, but it's, it didn't really change the actual setup from the original much, did it? It just, I think, it was just with the better effects and the different yeah. actors. Yeah, well, that's the that's the issue with remakes, right? Mm -hmm. uh, James also says because he's he's given us lots of food for thought here. He says, "I'm still waiting for the great vampire flick." Interview with the vampire is the closest we've gotten. Some some mileage may vary on that opinion, but I, 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 mean, I like Interview with the Vampire. I don't know if I think it's the closest to a great vampire flick that we've gotten so far. Um, Here's the thing. We got a, a lot more comments coming in there, um, but let me uh, let me make a point first. And we'll come back to some of those. Um, uh, here's what I don't understand sometimes: though, something like Lost Boys. You know, it's like okay, so they put it out there that they're remaking Lost Boys, and all the fans, of course, are up in arms about it because it's like, no, you can't ruin our childhood and and remake this film. Here's what I don't get sometimes: like, why don't the how why doesn't Hollywood just rip itself off and like just make a movie about a couple of teenagers who move to California and have vampires and call it something like? California Vampires, which is a terrible yeah. name, but whatever, you know, so like that, and then be like, then people can be like, well, that totally rips off uh, Lost Boys, but uh, but then you're not directly kind of comparing it, you know what I mean? Because it's not That's the same point, yeah. film. It just comes out, um, you the trailers, and yeah, because then you you haven't got the weight of expectation. Right, like, if you think about, what's the one I'm trying to think of now? It's always the comparison that I make, and now I can't think of it. It's the, it's the Point Break remake. There's another film that came out, like, 20 years after Point Break, and basically, not the remake of Point Break. It's just another film. It basically completely rips off Point Break. Oh, crap. Yeah, I know what you But it's not I know Point Break. And it's a complete ripoff. It's like an undercover cop. They do all this extreme stuff. Why can't I think of it, though? No, this is good podcasting. For anybody listening, they're probably like, either they're yelling at the, the, the screen or <laughs> or they uh, have no idea what I'm talking about. I will throw this one up. James says, Corey Feldman is calling <laughs> me right now for a part in California Vampires. Yeah, probably he is. Uh, I like Corey Feldman. He's a, he's a, he's an interesting character, but I have, I have a soft spot in my heart for him. He's a, in my heart for him. He was a big part of my childhood. Uh, and I got to meet him a few years ago, and that was like 
dream come true. Vin Diesel. Uh, yeah, Fast and the Furious. Thank you, James. That's it. Fast and the Furious is a remake of Point Break. It's a ripoff, excuse me, of Point Break, right? Paul Walker goes undercover, gets into all these high profile, you know, high action, high octane stunts, racing cars, and then forms a bond with the family of criminals. It is exactly Point Break, but with cars instead of surfboards and parachutes. And not only did nobody complain about it being ripoff of Point Break, but it actually went on to spawn one of the biggest movie franchises we've seen in the last 50 years. So That's why don't they just do that? Yeah, that's, that's what I want to know with Hollywood. When you've got these beloved IP, I know why. I get it. They want the name brand, but part of me is like, here's a way to sort of subtly be like, hey, if you like Lost Boys, you'll love California Vampires. You know, without, uh, well, <laughs> without it. I'm sorry, James uh, said he was actually thinking of Triple X um, with Vin Diesel, but it was actually point. Uh, it was actually Fast and Furious is what I was thinking of. Triple X. Uh, some similarities, I think, but I think actually Fast and Furious is, is, is closer. But thank you, James, because you still sparked it in my mind. Um, so that's just what I'm saying is why doesn't Hollywood just sometimes just rip them off? Just be like, yep, it's the exact same story, but it's a different movie. And you have a better chance, I think, of fans not hating on it before it's even out. That's a, that's know? an excellent point. So, but, but what I'm hearing is that we need to get Vin Diesel's going to be uh, playing the <laughs> Sutherland role. He could be playing David, absolutely. Michael. Family. <laughs> it's a vampire family, see? <laughs> the Fanged and the Furious. Come on. I just oh came my up with best new franchise. Corey Feldman's on the phone again with that one. Sorry, Street Corey. Racing Vampires. Corey. Street Racing Vampires. Undercover human cop. He gets in with them, and then he has to decide whether he wants to become a vampire or not, all while living his life a quarter of a mile at a time. Come on. Tell me that's not box office gold right there. That is on today's date. Well, it's the yeah, what day we are just to uh to get this copyright Monday, the 20th September 2021. I'm gonna um, let you read out James's comment because I think it sounds better with a British accent. This particular one, Jesus H. Christ, you guys are jinxing this. <laughs> I don't know. If uh, by I think you mean making, yeah, making greatness. Then <laughs> you're right. Uh, the fanged and the furious man, I'm writing that treatment right now. Yeah, I mean. We all know that uh, Adam Van Diesel to a film makes makes it at least eight percent better, no, twelve percent better, twelve percent worse. I can't remember. No, no, come on now. Vin Diesel's made some good films. He's made some bad films, like every other actor. Anyway, that's off topic. So uh, remakes, yeah. What's the deal with all these remakes? Um, that's so. That's my kind of my kind of spin on them. Is I feel like a lot of them are unnecessary. But if you're going to do it, just rip them off and. Yeah, and just sort of knowingly wink at the audience. You know what I mean? Well, it's like uh, it's like the Orville. Uh, you know, going back to TV. Yeah. I mean, that's that's ripping off Star Trek. Absolutely, expensive, but it's in my mind, I prefer that to the like the Star Trek Discovery and things like that because it has more of a feel of the next generation kind of Star Trek that I was. I was uh, wanted to watch. Right, and they make no bones about the fact that it's like we're just basically making the Star Trek show we want to see, mm. and people love it. I mean, it hasn't been a huge hit, but it has a devoted fan base. Like, I, I just think that might be the way to go sometimes, rather than taking this beloved, you know, this beloved franchise where you know fans are going to get mad about it, you know. Um, but then I again, just, I think they also do because they know fans will get mad and it's going to get lots of traction online and yeah but that's never really translated into huge box office success i mean look at things like the evil dead or total recall or any of those kind of recent remakes in the last 10 years or so and none of them have been big box office successes i mean i can't think of too many remakes that have gone on to just be like huge blockbusters you know so like that that i get what you're saying right because they want the controversy they want the attention and everything but it never seems to actually translate into box office dollars well, so, I, think it's, I think it's probably an executive is going, no, it hasn't worked before all the other times. <laughs> that's going to work. 
this time. Yeah, this is the one. Yeah, it's going to work with the Lost Boys remake. This is going to be the one where all those fans are going to get mad, but they're still going to come out and see it. Yeah, the CW didn't pick up the Lost Boys TV show, so mm -hmm. this film's going to work. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, well, I always think it's often with remakes is they play it too safe. They try and keep it too close to the uh, the original as well. They don't, they don't, and any changes they do, it's either just it's either to do with like, well, it's never never anything major. With if they just if they just took a bit of a gamble as well and just didn't just stick to the story beats of the original and just maybe start off the same way so people come in and go, oh, yeah, this is, look at all the remember berries I did, blah, 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 and then just do, like, maybe, uh, you know, from dusk till dawn, just pull the rug out from us halfway through and you're going, oh, wow, what's going to happen now? Because it's, it's, it's not like the original, so it could go anywhere. People could live, people could die. I think, I think part of the problem, too, though, in regards to that is, I don't know that's just that they stay too close to the original. I think the part of the problem is they tend to always pick these films to remake these films that were done by like visionary directors or really creative ways. And then they homogenize them. Like you look at, let's okay, let's look at the ones we just talked about evil dead, right? That's a Sam Raimi film that was made like super low budget. And then they just did it as like sort of a straightforward gory remake. All of the like weird fun was missing. It was just like a straight horror film. You had total recall, which was made by Paul Verhoeven, who was like a complete lunatic. You know what I mean? Like he made all these like super edgy films and they just made it like a straightforward science fiction film. Right. Um, like you know, Robocop as well, the Robocop remake. Right. And then I actually think the Robocop remake isn't too bad, but it, it, it still doesn't quite get the, the mad glee of the original. So they keep taking these films that have something really, truly special and unique and offbeat about them. And then they're like, well, let's just make it as a straight remake and take out all that stuff that made it special and unique. And then they go, well, gee, why didn't that succeed? Well, duh, maybe because you stripped it of everything that made it so beloved by fans. Yeah, they're all very uh, generic, aren't they? See, now James says what I keep thinking. I was going to say this earlier. Thank you for reminding me, James. James says they should remake movies that have good concepts but failed on initial release. I always feel it's a missed opportunity to get it right, but they only tend to remake successful movies. Now, we actually did uh, a top five list a while back, probably last year or two, about like top five movies we wanted to see remade. And we, I know I, the one I remember off my list was Outland with Sean Connery, which is this really cool concept. Yeah. Of Sean Connery is like a, a detective on the moon, like on a mining colony, and it just doesn't quite work. Like, I know it's what's that? High noon in space, basically. Yeah, high noon in space, right. Like, like take some of those movies, those ones that should have been big hits but weren't, um, but that maybe have a little bit of name recognition or maybe are like, you know, like we're on HBO a lot when they were kids, you know, um, but were never big hits. And remake those and get them right this time. Rather than taking these beloved films that are so iconic and so special and then people are like, well, it's not as good as the original. And then now we have Christine jumping in saying she agrees with James. There yeah. you go. So do I. That's right. Yeah, take a film. Yeah, as you say, like as James said, that wasn't so good because yeah. then people aren't going to care. Let's let's get a remake of the Ice Pirates for God's sake. Right, right. That's a perfect example. Loved it as a kid. Watch it as an adult. It's really not good. But like, let's try it again. You know what I mean? Like, if yeah, yeah maybe you'll piss off some fans. How, how many of them are out there? You know, like the twelve people who really love that movie are probably not going to make or break your success. Yeah, because you know? they're still going to go see the remake of the Ice Pirates and go, wow, that was really good. Yeah. yeah. It's so much right. better than the original. Right, exactly. You know, yeah, like, even if it's like only like a half decent, it's all, some of these films are going to be better than the original. There's, yeah. There's so many of those films which you watch when you're, you know, late at night, when you, you made sort of a few beers, which are absolutely lousy, but you have a great laugh watching them. But if, yeah, they did that. Like the stuff, I, I mean, the stuff, I watched that for the first time recently. I really enjoyed it, but good God, if they remade that now, it would be amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah James, another one here, Jaws Ball Revenge. 
Can we get Michael Caine? Hey, on? now, listen. Okay. We, oh, I, God. I feel what like we've talked about this before, but Jaws 4 The Revenge is actually still better than Jaws 3. I will maintain that until I die. Jaws 4 gets wrongly torn apart. It is not a terrible movie. I'm just saying, I, I'm, I've watched the Jaws movies more than probably, at least as far as the sequels go, more than almost anybody else. And I have to say that Jaws 4, while not a great film, it gets unfairly maligned. And if you watch 3 and 4 back together, back to back, 4 is clearly the superior film. Yeah. Just saying. Okay. Just had to get that well, out there. Well, speaking of Jaws, though, because Deep Blue Sea is kind of... That's not, is it? No, not really. And there's so many different, that's just the genre. I will, um, I will echo my one of my favorite movie critics, Mark Kermode, though. He has a standard joke he goes to. If there's any Kermode fans listening, you'll know what I'm about to say. That uh, when he talks about why Michael Caine made Jaws 4, was he opened the script on the first page. It said, you know, opening shot, Bahamas. And he went, okay. <laughs> and that's the whole reason he made that movie. So he could go to the Bahamas and pay for a house. So, so um, I, think, anyway. I think we've got it sorted though with remakes. Yeah, you need to pick a film. Which yes, didn't, isn't that good? But it has like a, a few, a few good key moments in it. Mm -hmm. and get somebody who can write a script to write it, and get yep. a decent filmmaker who's got a bit of a, a unique eye to it, and, and make it that instead of just getting this generic kind of. Because because talking about uh, the recent remakes, Fright Night, uh, Total Recall, and everything, they all have, seem to have the same color correction as well. They all seem to have the same color grading. They yeah. all look the same. They look very homogenous. I agree. It's just weird. I agree. James, I'm going to disagree with you. It is not a psychic connection. If you rewatch the film, it's oh not God, a psychic connection. I'm sorry, I have to defend oh. Jaws 4. It is, she is ha like sensing danger about her children. And I think most parents will tell you they've had that moment when they know something is wrong. It is a very different thing than a full-on psychic connection. I, I disagree with that assessment. I know that's what people say about it, but I disagree. I think it's more subtle than that. But that's me. <laughs> but I do appreciate your willingness to engage me on a Jaws 4 debate, so that's pretty awesome. Oh, um, so we've just lost half of our listeners who turned off the podcast or the video at, at that point because we started talking about Jaws 4, and the other half are like, yeah, yeah, come on, you're right. One of you guys is right. I'm just saying it's better than Jaws 3. That's my main know. point. Uh, we're going to need a bigger podcast. With the, <laughs> with the big rubber shark that doesn't move in Jaws 3. It's just, I'm sorry. Oh, it's just, and, yes. It's stuck in the pipe, isn't it? it just keeps moving. Yeah, I have a special place in my heart for Jaws 3 because it was filmed around the corner from my house. It was filmed at SeaWorld. And for years, I would go to SeaWorld and see all of the attractions they had for Jaws 3. They had like the opening to the underwater thing and they had like the shark and stuff. They had all kinds of stuff there. So, and I get to watch it and I relive the SeaWorld of my childhood. So, soft spot in my heart. But Jaws 4 is still a better movie. And James just says, LOL. <laughs> like, we'll leave it there. All right. So, that's our episode. This is a fun one, I think. Uh, we did our After the Endings for the Lost Boys. We went to town on remakes, uh, and we got some great comments from, from James and Christine. Thank you guys for popping in. Appreciate it. Uh, we're going to start to wrap up, but we're not done for the night if you're watching live. If you are watching the video afterwards or listening on the podcast, we'll be back next week with a new episode. If you're watching live, we're going to sign off for about two minutes while we restart with a new video so we can separate them, and um, we'll be back in, in like about two or three minutes. So don't go anywhere. Stay tuned to the After the Ending Facebook channel. We'll pop back up in your feed very shortly. So keep refreshing. I'm be yes, keep refreshing. Like you're trying to buy concert tickets. <laughs> All right. That's going to wrap us up for this episode. We will be back very shortly. Uh, as always, we thank you greatly for listening and or watching. I'm Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And we'll see you next time. After the Ending.